Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Thanksgiving Eve edition of The Yard, I hope that you are well. hope many of you are probably traveling right now, so one of the reasons I want to go ahead and get the show up, uh, tomorrow's a day of uh, a family and friends and football. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Ole Miss Rebels today. We'll preview rivalry weekend. Of course, uh, it all gets underway tomorrow night, the annual battle for the Golden Egg. Uh, but we'll, again, it's one of those things, too, that, um, you know, this rivalry, it's so interesting. The, um, you know, the carpetbaggers of the world that pass through our state from time to time, you know, and uh, they're... Uh, search for employment as parts of uh, stops of their journalistic career are always surprised and amazed at the intensity of the battle for the golden egg. Uh, we've grown up with it, so we don't know anything different. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, Steve, you played a part in making this rivalry so toxic. I don't, I don't own that. You know, I'm just a product of my environment in many respects. Uh, but yeah, I, I do uh, hope to win this game, and I look for Mississippi State to beat Ole Miss in every sporting event. I mean, why would you not? Uh, I remember, I think it was Angel Jones, I think, I think, that said uh, if we did not um, present our national championship rings to our baseball team back in 2021, are we even rivals? It's kind of how I feel about it, too. You know, the, uh, the talk of a kinder, gentler rivalry only tends to make the rounds when Mississippi State is winning. Uh, to kind of give you a little bit of a uh, brief history of the rivalry before we get into our preview of Ole Miss football, way back in 1905, as I wrote about in uh, Alpha Dogs, matter of fact, I happen to have this here. I happen to have that close by. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Mississippi State played in Jackson, for the first time against the Ole Miss Rebels. And it's actually in Stark Villains when I wrote that. Uh, you know, when you write as much as I do, sometimes it all runs together. I apologize. But um, the rumor and legend has it that every Mississippi State student attended the game. Now, back in those days, we played, that, we played in Jackson at the uh, fairgrounds. And so there were no stands. You know, your fans were on the sidelines with the team. And there were times in this ball game that uh, the Mississippi State fans found their way onto the field and had to be removed from the field. It was very unruly. Uh, that particular year, Ole Miss's football coach quit about six weeks before the season began. Ole Miss only played two games that year, lost them both, didn't score a point in either, either game. And Mississippi State won the game. And somehow, some way, these cadets got a coffin at a secondhand store and then performed a full military parade funeral march down Capitol Street with Bully on top of that coffin. And it was supposedly, as um, the letter that I included, that I found in the reflector, it was supposed to be a funeral for the athletic spirit of Ole Miss. Now, Rebels have obviously recovered since then, uh, but I think that, uh, again, kind of paints in the infancy of this rivalry, we didn't care much for each other. As you guys know, in 1926, Ole Miss ended a long losing streak to Mississippi State. They rushed the field, tore down the field goals, and uh, tried to leave with them. And uh, a fight broke out on campus. 
And as the Mississippi State Reflector recorded at the time, several chairs had to be sacrificed to protect the honor of Mississippi A&M. Uh, that's always kind of been the issue, you know. And so I wasn't around in 05 or 26. Maybe you were. I don't know. You'd certainly be uh, up in years and certainly qualify as a silver-haired or a white-haired or a no-haired dog. But it's always been that way. I mean, you go back and look at all this stuff on the recruiting trail, of course, the Billy Brewer years. You know, they had the uh, harlots of Mount Moriah and Memphis that um, – you brought new NCAA sanctions down, and uh, both schools have run afoul of the rules. Ole Miss doesn't have the corner of the market on cheating. They're just better at it than we are. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, you flash ahead a little bit. You know, Jackie Sherrill wins the SEC Western Division Championship in Oxford. So we got the parade around Vaught-Hemingway Stadium with the Golden Egg on our way to Atlanta, Georgia. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, Perhaps you are. But in 1992, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and everybody in the SEC began divisional play. There were six teams in the Southeastern Conference Western's division. Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. And uh, you may not know this, but uh, we're moving away from divisional format next year. And Ole Miss, the only team, of the original six SEC Western Division members of the modern era to never win the SEC West. And I know that's something that um, it bothers them. You say, but Steve, we only went once. Yeah, it's true. We only went once, but at least we've been. And then shortly thereafter, there began all this, uh, you know, fresh acrimony about the rivalry. Uh, we got to get that Jackie Sherrill. You know, you had some of your coaches out there going to see players, followed by private investigators. I didn't have anything to do with that. You folks did. Not you guys, but, uh, you know, those the, the interlopers that are listening in today to hear what we have to say about the rivalry. So it has been a um, – and as I noted in Stark Villains, the very first chapter about the rivalry is contentious from the beginning. It has never been a civil rivalry nor will it ever be a civil rivalry. You go back from the very beginning to the very beginning when Mississippi State was even founded, how the Ole Miss-educated state legislature fought tooth and nail against the very creation of Mississippi A&M. You may also know that after the, um, the Morrill Land Grant Act, post-Civil War Reconstruction, federal government uh, enacted uh, the measure to begin land-grant schools around the country. And so Ole Miss got the land-grant money and began some agricultural school programs. And then uh, they didn't want the farmer's kids going to school with their kids. It's true. It's documented. You can look it up for yourself. And eventually, the uh, enrollment for the agricultural and uh, mechanical arts programs at Ole Miss dropped down to nothing. And then the state legislature took that money back and uh, founded Mississippi State. little known fact about that, too, they also took some money away from Alcorn State to uh, begin what eventually became the university you know and love. 
That's all true. And then we started playing football, you know. And then all of a sudden, you had these two different you know, classes of people, and I hate to use it that way. It's more like two different factions of people in the state of Mississippi didn't really care for each other. And we started playing football. And so all of this uh, angst between the two sides entered into a sports rivalry. What's interesting, too, that you uh, may be somewhat unfamiliar with, but way back in the 19-teens, Ole Miss beat us in uh, 30, 30 to nothing and then lost to us in 1911, 6-0. And then... Allegedly, and according to some uh, you know, reports at the time that are becoming more prevalent now that more old newspapers are being scanned and digitized and put online for us to peruse, Ole Miss decided they were going to upgrade their schedule and not play Mississippi A&M anymore. That was the plan. So they didn't play us in the 1912 season, the 1913 season, and the 1914 season. In 1915... Mississippi State and Duty Noble finally got Ole Miss back on a football field and took out four years of frustration as Bulldogs won 65 to nothing. That was part of a 12-game winning streak against Ole Miss, which is what led to the big uh, you know, fight in 26. It became a regular rite of passage for Mississippi State, Mississippi A&M at the time, to beat the Ole Miss Flood or Mudcats or whatever they called them at the time. And you think I'm being funny. There were multiple newspaper reports that referred to Ole Miss as the Mudcats. True story. But during that stretch, the Bulldogs yielded 33 total points in a dozen years. And you could do the math on that, but I'll, do, I'll save you the time here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten, I can't be right. Nine shutouts. And that dozen years. It was a string of dominance. You can understand why the Ole Miss fans were so uh, gleeful in 26 when they finally beat us 7-6. to six. Uh, You'd think they'd beaten us 100 to nothing the way they acted. Uh, but it's important to kind of understand the history of all this because people act like, well, you know, this is all so uncivilized. Guys, it's never been civilized. And again, the only calls to make it more civilized come when Mississippi State is winning. Uh, you know, flashback a few years ago. You remember we had these signs around the state that said, this is our state? Well, you wonder where they went? Sources shared with me at the time, Ross Bjork and some of their donorship were upset about the this is our state signs that you all loved. And then Ross Bjork asked Scott Strickland, hey, could we dial this back a little bit? I'm trying to keep my people at bay. They can't even drive around the state without seeing these signs, kind of rubbing it in our face. And for some reason, we went along with that. And maybe I don't have all the details right. I think I do. Based on the sourcing, I think I do. So... Uh, we're going to get together again tomorrow night, and you never know what's going to happen. You know, we've had some crazy things that have happened. Of course, you had the, uh, you know, the big field goal that was blown back. Pretty crazy. Interviewed John Bond about that, Stark Villains. Uh, you had Nick Fitzgerald's uh, Code Red in 2017. Never forget. 
People are like, oh, then Steve, it's football. Give me a break. It shows you never played. The hammer fist is not a tackling technique. It's not. The old grab them high and hit them low goes back to the, the origins of football. You know, you can sell that line of bull somewhere else. So you never know what's going to happen in these games. And, uh, again, we'll take a little time. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. We'll talk about the fine season they've had. And anybody that can suggest that Ole Miss isn't playing great football is kidding themselves. The guys play, they played really, really well. But, yeah, it's uh, another chapter in a long-running uh, rivalry, and I'm glad it continues. Uh, I love the passion on both sides. I do. Uh, you got to be careful. You know, listen, for those of you in Starkville, uh, there will be a lot of cheap bourbon and hair gel on campus this week that's not normally here, right? I'm just, again, that's just a PSA. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Love those guys, man. I do. And uh, may go in there for a late lunch today. We'll see how the day shakes loose. Uh, but Bulldog Burger Company has the cure for what ails you. It's true. It's true. Go in there and get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. It is one of the fine delicacies in life we afford ourselves Maybe you don't want to eat that heavy for lunch. Get the BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. You can get whatever dressing you want. I'm from South Mississippi. We eat ranch, right? Uh, but you, I, I, I promise you, you're probably not going to finish it. The portions are so substantial there. It's one of the things that I love about Bulldog Burger Company. I get what I pay for and then some. There's some other places you go and it's like you pay this and it's like you leave and you're not quite fulfilled. That's just not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. So if you're looking for a great meal at a great price with great atmosphere to enjoy some time with great friends and family, go to Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. It's on the menu, and that's not an accident. It's true. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. We've talked uh, throughout the year, you know, about this Ole Miss team. What's interesting to me, and, you know, of course, Jeff Levy's name has come up in connection with the Mississippi State coaching search. There were a lot of people, a lot of people, when Jeff Levy left and said, you know what, this Ole Miss offense is going to really struggle. And they go out and hire Charlie Weiss Jr., and people are like, oh, yeah, this is just a weird combination I think the Ole Miss offense actually got better after Jeff Levy left. I know their commitment to running the football uh, was a lot more pronounced, and it kind of helps when you got a star like Quinshawn Judkins. But uh, Lane Kiffin, in many respects, has silenced many of his critics. There were so many people when he first got hired, they said, this thing will never work. Well, it's worked for Ole Miss. And I've had a couple people had some fun this week with Ross Dellinger's tweet. Ole Miss people, good hearted for the most part. Um. So they want to thank Steve for the, pro- the program we are today. Well, you're welcome, and uh, you can express your gratitude by making a donation to the Bulldog Initiative in my name. How about that? If you're really that gra- grateful, go ahead and do that. No, it's all in good fun. And, uh, but nevertheless, this Ole Miss team has really done good things. They have a chance to win 10 regular season games for the second time in their history, and, of course, that has happened two years ago. So both of these incidences have taken place with Lane Kiffin as the coach. So no matter what you think about the guy, the guy can coach football. He absolutely can. He can manage a roster. You know, last year they had, they had a big start and then the, the terrible finish. And one of the things that Kiffin talked about was, uh, you know, portal guys, right? Is, you know, when, when they didn't have something big to play for, 
they didn't have that same allegiance. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I don't want to put words in Lane Kiffin's mouth. But, um, but there were a lot of people that said, hey, you know, this is it's not going to work. And uh, whatever changed has been beneficial uh, for Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels. So 9-2 on the year, 7-0 and at home. So the best chance to beat those guys, of course, is uh, away from their place. Uh, they've been really good at home under Lane Kiffin. Uh, of course, uh, I can remember one loss last year at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium that ended the year. Maybe you're familiar with that one, too, when Mississippi State won the Egg Bowl last year in Vaught-Hemingway. Uh, but two and two away from their own venue. Now, you say, well, that's helpful. Well, the road schedule you know, for Ole Miss hadn't exactly been um, a cakewalk by any stretch of imagination. But uh, let's go back and take a look. Uh, first week, they beat Mercer 73-7, to and there's no real accomplishment there. But, yeah, it's a season opener. You want to get people juiced, right? There were a lot of people that thought that they would have a trouble at Tulane. Now, if Michael Pratt plays at Tulane, maybe it's a different game. But it's not Ole Miss's fault that Michael Pratt was hurt. They just got to go play the games on their schedule. They win the game 37-20, uh, and it was a bit of a tussle for a while. And, of course, Willie Fritz now, the uh, head coach at Tulane, uh, now connected to the Mississippi State search. And uh, you can get an update on that over at jeanspage.com. Had some discussion last night about him and the latest What We're Hearing update. Uh, week three brought Georgia Tech, the rambling wreck, to Oxford. Now, two, you remember last year, uh, Ole Miss went to Georgia Tech and just beat Georgia Tech ungodly. Uh, big blowout win here, but at least it was competitive for a little while, and Ole Miss really just kind of said, okay, well, we're done playing around with you. A lot of people thought Ole Miss had a chance to go in Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. I was one of those people, too, who thought, you know what, this could be interesting. This could be interesting because at the time, Alabama didn't have a sense of itself. You know, Jalen Milrow was struggling. Um, you know, defensively, they were just kind of up and down a little bit. And everybody thought, you know what, this may be Kiffin's best chance. This wasn't the get-your-popcorn-ready type game. But Alabama took care of business, 24-10. Uh, to 10. I'm trying to remember where I was then. I was in San Diego that weekend when this happened. And uh, I remember uh, kind of watching this unfold and uh, Alabama able to put the game away late. But um, the Alabama defense really did a number on the Ole Miss offense. 24 to 10 is your final. Uh, but I suspect if that game was played today, the margin may be the same, but I, probably a little more scoring. At that point, everybody thought, well, Ole Miss will go ahead and uh, go in the tank because they still have uh, LSU to go. One of the most entertaining ball games of the SEC schedule this year. Ole Miss hangs on to beat LSU 55-49 on a game that went down to the final play. LSU in plus territory had a chance and uh, just couldn't complete the comeback. You know, touchdown there, even without the extra point, uh, ties the ball game there. But um, Ole Miss wins a thriller. 55-49, and then people are like, okay, they're going to navigate through this thing and keep the dream alive. Arkansas did a really good job kind of managing the game, slowing things down, being very deliberate in what they did offensively. Of course, uh, K.J. kind of having to carry the whole load at that time. Ole Miss wins at 27-20. Uh, took a big defensive stop late. Uh, to remove all doubt in this ball game, But, again, I like the game plan that Sam and those guys had. Let's just kind of shorten the game. Maybe we run 50 plays apiece. Give us a better chance to win. 
The next week they go to Auburn, and uh, we thought that would be a tough one. We didn't think that Freeze and the, the new-look Tigers would be quite ready, but, again, a very competitive game. 28-21, your final there. Offensively, you know, Auburn wasn't quite what they wanted to be. But you know as well as I do, everybody connected with Auburn kind of saw this as a bit of a Super Bowl, right? A redemptive-type opportunity for Hugh Freeze against Ole Miss. And the Rebels take care of business. Do they get any style points in this game? No, they don't. But, you know, that's the measure of being a good team is sometimes you win these games when maybe you're not at your highest offensive proficiency. And they did. And getting SEC road wins is tough. I don't care where you go or who you're playing. As we mentioned, they're 2-2 two and two on the road. Vanderbilt makes the trip to Oxford. It's a shame this rivalry is going away. It has brought us so many um, you know, years of entertainment over the years. I hope that maybe Greg Sankey and the leadership will say, you know what, hey, guys, we made a mistake here. No, we really don't. Ole Miss got the, the sweetest peach of the draw back in 92. Is their, one of their permanent opponents was Vanderbilt. Of course, at that time, we had uh, more permanent opponents. They change it, and Ole Miss retains Vanderbilt. Uh, so the battle, the, the bow tie bowl will take a hiatus. We don't know when it returns. We really don't. Again, it's a tragedy in college football. But uh, Ole Miss wins 33-7. to I remember we were on our way back from somewhere then. I can't remember where we'd been. And we were driving back and uh, stopped to get some food, and they had the game on. And, and there really was no doubt about Ole Miss winning that ball game. Texas A&M makes its way to uh, Oxford. And, again, another close ball game. The, the Aggies made it interesting, but Ole Miss wins 38-35. to 35. Entertaining game. And people thought, okay, here we go. And many people said, you know what, this Ole Miss-Georgia game is going to be great. I thought it had a chance to be a really good game, too. I thought Ole Miss offensively was going to be able to match up and, uh, and, and maybe make this thing a shootout. But the Georgia defense is like, nah, we got it. 52-17. to 17. And, of course, uh, Jackson Dart got the big – uh, hit on the shoulder. Did come back and play last week, as we discussed on Monday's show. A lot of respect for that kid, man. I, I've got a ton of respect for Jackson Dart. Really do. Uh, but Georgia, you know, kind of removed all doubt and, again, clinched the fact that Ole Miss would never play uh, as the SEC Western Division champion in Atlanta. And then last week, of course, Ole Miss gets uh, Louisiana Moreau 35-3, a game that was 7-3 at the break. But that came alive there in the third quarter with that 21 points. So, again, you look at these games, even against Ole Miss's contemporaries, these games have been competitive, with the exception of Vanderbilt, one of the greatest rivalries in the history of sport. Um, but, you know, A&M, Auburn, Arkansas, like we – when you're state or Ole Miss, that's who we kind of compare ourselves to, right? We're chasing Alabama and LSU, but we see the rest of us kind of right there together in the same pack. And in order to, to move ahead in this conference and finish in the top half of the league, you got to beat your contemporaries. I tell you what's interesting, too. You know, I can't remember who did it. It was somebody in Arkansas media. I remember a few years back they said, you know, that Arkansas should never lose to the Mississippi schools in anything. Uh, listen, it's a good old Miss team. This has not been a great Mississippi State team for a lot of reasons. But um, Arkansas loses to both Mississippi State schools this year. Again. Again. It's crazy. It really is. But, uh, yeah, good season for the Rebs. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool. 
because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit... Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y, official.com, forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy, E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. 
And Tacovas has first wear comfort. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So far, really good season. Again, 9-2. and two, And you look at some of the things they've done offensively, even when Quinchon Judkins was beat up. Uh, you know, they've got, you know, a couple backs back there that uh, can, can hold you accountable. And, and you, you get some fresh legs in the game, especially late. It changes the complexion of things. And, uh, again, that's about roster management, right? I mean, it's like, hey, we're going to have a tough time finding somebody to spell Quinchon Judkins. But what they do, they go out and they find a transfer. And um, he was banged up last year. But uh, making some things happen for him this year. Okay, team numbers first. Uh, Ole Miss scoring 36.4 points a game, allowing 23. And, of course, some of that, that you know, a couple of gaudy blowouts there. Uh, kind of skewed things a little bit. But scored 401 points on a year. Uh, first downs, it's, it's, we talk about is it a rushing offense, is it a passing offense. It's pretty balanced, to be honest with you. And more, more first downs in the passing game, which is traditionally how it works. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's been a really balanced approach in many respects. And, and, and the numbers kind of share that for you. Uh, Ole Miss has rushed for 1,937 yards this year. They've allowed 1,727. Uh, from a passing standpoint, 3,223 yards. You say, but Steve, you know, you said balance. Well, they're explosive in the passing game. I'm just talking from a play calling standpoint. They can hurt you either way. You know, it's not something, oh, we want to make them one-dimensional. They're skilled enough offensively uh, to hold you accountable uh, no matter what facet of the offense they're kind of forced to use. Total offense, uh, 5,160 yards gained, allowed 4,160. And, again, that's kind of skewed, you know, that Mercer game especially, uh, kind of skews the numbers. But, hey, this is a quality offense. It's putting up uh, right at 470 yards a game. Much better on defense this year than they have been. And, uh, you yeah, give them credit. You know, Pete Golden came in. People were wondering, well, how would he perform with that Alabama talent? Well, pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you just got to kind of call it for what it is. Uh, they've been better. They have been. Got some key transfers, but also, too, they've they had some guys they've developed and guys have been there for a while. I mean, you know, Shante Sistrunk is a guy that, um, you know, was not a highly recruited player, but has proven to be you know, a very solid part of that defense. Matter of fact, he represented the defense in media opportunities this week, you know, one of the two uh, defensive reps. But, uh, yeah, good team. And um, kind of working through these kicking numbers, too. Uh, Field goal attempts, 15 to 20 on the year. We've been in those situations where it's come down to a field goal on both sides of this. And if that's the case, I'm going with Kyle Ferry. This thing boils down to a field goal, becomes a field goal kicking competition. It favors Mississippi State. Our penalties have been a bit of an issue at times for them, um, averaging about 65 yards a game, but 83 on the year, 83 penalties. Their opponents just 63. And uh, we've had some undisciplined play at times, so that could be awfully interesting. You know, when people talk about time of possession, you know, the game has changed a lot, right? You want to play keep away? Guys, Ole Miss, 
They've had the football less than 27, 27 minutes per game. It's not even half the time, and they're 9-2. and two. You know, It's become really a meaningless stat in a lot of games uh, for the game of football. It really has. Third down conversions, 38%. They're allowing right at 40% defensively. Uh, fourth down conversions, they've gone for it 31 times on fourth down this year. Did you expect to hear that? Well, they did. 20 of 31. There's a good chance they're going to go for it on fourth down multiple times against Mississippi State. I go back a couple years ago, they could have won the game handily, but got a little bit greedy and uh, took some chances on fourth down in field goal range that uh, came back to bite them. Red zone offense been pretty good. 53 attempts, 46 scores. They've come away, and a couple of those times have been you know, fourth down attempts that went awry. But uh, 35 touchdowns in their 53 trips in the red zone. Let's take a look at the uh, individual numbers here. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins, and uh, a lot of people said, oh, well, he hadn't had the year. Guys, he had a bad rib injury the first half of the year. He was really banged up and is still going to go you know, over 1,000 yards this year. He's 933 right now and got two more games to play. You feel pretty confident in that. And uh, this kid, I'd say he really runs hard. And what a great job by that staff to get that kid committed and just kind of, you know, he just kind of hit out there in Alabama and everybody's like, oh, okay. Kid's a star. There were some people projecting him as the SEC player of the year this year. Hadn't worked out, but it's been more about injuries than it has uh, inefficiency. Ulysses Bentley, great compliment back for him. Really hits the ball, hits the hole hard. Pardon me. Uh, but he's one of those guys, too, as you know, as the defense begins to wind down, you've seen in many cases that he's kind of been a guy that will come in in the second half and uh, and have some success. An offensive line up until recently has been it's been pretty good. Beginning of the year, we were all like, this offensive line is absolute trash. Well, they figured it out. They've had some injuries as of late. Uh, so the running game hasn't been maybe exactly what they had hoped. But uh, nice one-two combination there. Jackson Dart, the uh, third leading rusher on the team, 347 yards. Uh, with that shoulder, no matter wh- what they say, that that's a concern. That's not – again, I, he's going to play. I'll just talk about he may not play. He's going to play. He wouldn't have played against Louisiana Moreau if he wasn't going to play in the Egg Bowl. Uh, but Jackson Dart, I don't think, will be a willing runner unless it's a situation where he can just kind of get outside and get out of bounds. I, I, I feel confident he doesn't want to take another shot on that shoulder. So I think that's one of the things to consider – when you begin to plan for this running game, and we talk about having to account for the quarterback on run defense, well, I don't think that's going to be maybe the play that gets called uh, quite as often. And so if you can – again, Dart could be a willing runner in some situations when things break down. I don't think you're going to see a ton of quarterback called runs. I don't. And then when you don't have to always account for the quarterback, uh, I think that could impact uh, the Ole Miss running game a little bit. When it's difficult to keep people honest uh, in a zone read type scheme when the quarterback's a little bit banged up, when people know that he's not really a willing runner. Now, who knows? You know, he may wake up tomorrow morning and feel uh, great, but I think that is something to consider as we get into this thing. Uh, from a passing standpoint, I don't know that Jackson Dart gets the credit that he deserves as a passer. You know, There are sometimes he will miss – and that's part of being a human, right? But there are sometimes he'll miss some open receivers, and uh, they've had at times a couple drops. Uh, but Dart, 66.44%. And that's not just Dinkin and Duncan. I mean, they will, especially in that middle to intermediate passing game, they love the crossing route. They do do some of the puff pass stuff on the jet sweep type thing. 
but they will push the ball down the field, as you guys are well aware. A lot of corner routes in this scheme, and uh, Dart can make those throws. Big, strong kid. I'll be honest with you. He's better than I thought he was going to be when he got here. He has been. And I've said multiple times, uh, this is a guy in play action that really, really puts safeties in conflict. We've got to be careful with that. We've got to be disciplined. Uh, Spencer Sanders has appeared in eight games, and maybe that we see more of him this week. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Walker Howard, of course, uh, you know, transferred off from LSU. They think he's the future. Has played sparingly this year. But uh, it's the Jackson Dart show, you know, unless he gets, uh, you know, injured. You know, and again, you don't wish that on anybody. But um, you, you do think about that. And the fact that it got made it out in the media, I guess it was Chris Lowe that tweeted it out, that uh, they'll see how he looks. I think all that's just gamesmanship. I, I absolutely expect Jackson Dart to play. Uh, Trey Harris, man, transferred. It's come in there for them, and it's been absolutely outstanding for them. Big physical guy that can elevate. He's made some really acrobatic catches this year. Uh, made a couple of catches, like one-handed grabs as he's fallen out of bounds and still managed to get a foot down. I mean, this guy's a pro. I mean, I, th- I think that's – we almost come to expect it, right, that, that every year Ole Miss is going to have one pro prospect at wide receiver at the very least. Well, Trey Harris is. Uh, 44 grabs, 824 yards, eight touchdowns on the year, averaging 82 yards per game. Dayton Wade from Atlanta spoke up this week about how he wasn't exactly sure what to expect in the uh, battle for the golden egg. Because in a few plays in, I was like, okay, I'm not even from out here. You know, it's, uh, again, it's a crazy thing for people that are kind of joining our programs, you know, from out of state. And uh, it's a quick study, though. You find out there's just a bitterness in this ball game that doesn't exist in most. But uh, Dayton Wade's a guy that uh, had a big touchdown against State last year, 50 catches on the year, second on the team in receptions, 755 yards, four touchdowns. But he's a guy, too, the concepts in which they use him, they get him paired up in matchups where he is going to win the foot race. He is an extremely fast football player. They like to use him on that end-around play. They run that at least once a game. Uh, they'll use him some, uh, you know, on the jet sweeps. So they find ways to get the football into his hands. Jordan Watkins leads a team with 52 catches. Maybe you didn't know that. He's like, well, I know Trey Harris. I know Dayton Wade. Yeah, Jordan Watkins uh, having a career year at Ole Miss. 734 yards, three touchdowns. And it really has emerged. He's not just a possession receiver, but when they get on, they get in third down, there appears to be a tendency to find him. Well, of course, he's a sure-handed receiver, so that's a pretty safe bet. And that's one thing you, I think as you get into this ballgame, you're going to see on third down, uh, Jordan Watkins, more times than not, is uh, one of the primary passing options, and uh, he is a guy that's been able to deliver. A tight end, Caden uh, Prizcorn, or Prizcorn, I apologize to his family if I, I mispronounced that. Uh, missed some time this year, but he's been back, uh, played last week, and then also uh, spoke in game about the Egg Bowl. and um, So – this is another guy that's been around a little bit. Uh, just 16 catches on the year. But in a, in a game like this against a pass-happy, a blitz-happy opponent that Mississippi State will be, the tight end out, that little tight end flare, uh, will be a hot route or a nice little check down for Jackson Dart when we're bringing pressure. So that's something to really watch. You know, when they all read hot, if they don't just kind of slip uh, Caden out there a little bit just to avoid a negative play. Again, not a ton of uh, receptions this year, but I think that that could be, you know, a factor, especially on those passing downs when we're going to be bringing the heat. They could use him as a bit of an escape release there. 
Uh, Judkins just 18 catches on the year. But uh, the thing with him is when you screen it to him, if you give him a seam, that's a guy that can gas you. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Now, defensively, let's take a look as uh, we get ready to finish up our preview here. Uh, Trey Washington leads the team with 69 tackles. That's nice. Ashanti Sinstrong talked about him earlier. Uh, 59 tackles. And this is a guy, again, that kind of took the uh, the scenic route to the SEC. And it's probably exceeded expectations. He said earlier this week, this is the one game he has to win. You know, and there are people, other teammates talked about that. So this is the one he's got to win. He's a guy from uh, – you know, from Louisville, Mississippi, just down the road, said he grew up every 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 Saturday watched Mississippi State play. Just didn't get the chance to come play at Mississippi State. He's made the most of his opportunity at Ole Miss. Uh, John Sanders, 55 tackles on the year, three interceptions, four pass breakups, a very active secondary. They do a really good job with the safeties. We certainly expect to see, you know, that secondary challenge a little bit and how they handle that challenge remains to be seen. But uh, – you know, they're a group that can be opportunistic. You get a little bit loose and fast with the football, uh, you're going to find yourself in some trouble. Now, uh, looking at the kicking numbers here, and it seems that everybody in the SEC has a guy, a kickoff specialist that, uh, you know, can make some things happen for you. Uh, we talked about that last week. We knew Southern Miss couldn't kick the ball in the end zone. So what did they do? They sky kicked it most of the day or squib kicked it or whatever. Um, from a punting standpoint, Frazier Mason – M-A-S-I-N, uh, 35 punts on the year, averaging 42.2. Uh, that's better than what we do. And uh, they did, last week's they kept trying to win the battle of field position, and um, we were able to kind of hold serve because they couldn't punt either. Uh, this could be that game within the game right here. 11 fair catches, 7 inside the 20, and 4 of 50-plus yards. Uh Caden Davis, we talked about him earlier, 15 or 20. He's been really good under 40 yards. And then once you get beyond that, it's been a real adventure. Four of six from 40 to 49 and one of three of 50 plus. And so if it comes down to a long field goal, that could be interesting. They've also had a couple blocked. Uh, Caden Davis, 75 kickoffs on the year, 62 of them touchbacks. So you hope they don't kick off a lot. But if they do, there's a good chance uh, the ball is going into the end zone. And so that's important to understand. I don't, I don't know that Xavier and, and uh, Tulu get a chance in the kick return game uh, to have a real opportunity to, um, to make an impact on the game in that respect. And, and hopefully we can uh, reciprocate that and keep that ball in the end zone when we're kicking off. And hopefully we're kicking off more than them. But that's your look at, uh, at the Ole Miss Rebels. Again, a quality team. Uh, you look at it and say, you know what, you're always looking for tendencies. But there's not an obvious weak spot here. And the schedule reflects that. I think that I think most people would agree it's a better Ole Miss team than what they had last year, and a lot of those gains have come on defense. And so, when you get defensive stops, you get more offensive possessions, you get better field position. I think the numbers reflect that. Uh, so, we're going to have our, our work cut out for us this week as we uh, host uh, the Ole Miss Rebels tomorrow night, six thirty kick. It'll be broadcast on ESPN. Uh, I expect them to announce a sellout today if they haven't already. I've had my nose down working on some a lot of other stuff. With um, you know, the new book is out. Of course, uh, working through this coaching search stuff, uh, it takes up so much of my time. But uh, yeah, we expect a near capacity crowd at Davis Wade Stadium. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Ole Miss people in attendance. My hope is that none of our faculty sold their tickets to Ole Miss fans. Uh, that's something that's got to be reviewed. All due respect, that's that's got to be reviewed. We just can't have that. We can't. 
and that's not an Ole Miss-related issue. But, uh, you know, we had that uh, last week. We had Southern, Southern Miss fans sitting in similar seats. I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's shameful. I do. Uh, but all that said, we're going to get ready to get to uh, Ole Miss on campus, and we'll have an opportunity to play them and a chance to retain the Golden Egg. And we hope that's the case. But, uh, yeah, Mississippi State's going to have to play a really good football game. Ole Miss doesn't beat themselves uh, very often. There are times that Lane Kiffin will kind of overthink things and get a little bit too aggressive. And you got to make him pay when they do. But, uh, again, quality opponent, we're going to have to play the best of our ability. I'll give you my pick later in the show. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Guys, Blair is a mortgage professional. If you're looking to get anything done in the mortgage industry, look no further than Blair Chandler. And we like to keep business in the family when we can. Blair is one of us. But, uh, hey, if you're an Ole Miss fan listening, he'll take care of you too with that same level of service. Uh, we just like to keep business in the family when we can. Uh, Blair is a season ticket holder in multiple sports, has a place here in Starkville. When we lose, he fills it just like you do. When we win, he celebrates just like you do. Blair Chandler is a winner. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back-to-back years. 22 years of experience. Nobody knows how to navigate through the labyrinth that is underwriting better than Blair Chandler. Whether you're looking to buy a home, looking to refinance a home, Blair is your guy. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And visit him at closewithblair.com for more information. All right. Last year before the Egg Bowl, and maybe I'm uh, tempting fate here, You know, last year we did uh, top 10 songs dedicated to Ole Miss fans. I have changed my mind on that. We're going to do a top 10 uh, thankful Thanksgiving thank you list. Songs about being thankful. I had a new book come out on Monday. You may have heard. Very happy. Had the first uh, event of this book cycle last night at the Starkville Quarterback Club. It was outstanding. I want to thank our friend Gary Blair for inviting me. Worked out really good. Books came in on Monday. We had the event Sold a ton of books last night. Uh, if you couldn't attend, you can pick it up downtown at Bookmart and Cafe or at Campus Bookmart. It'll be filtering out to other bookstores soon. Uh, but uh, if you can't make it to town, visit whenthebottomfalls.com, and they'll get that out. And if you've already ordered, I know the personalizations have already been sent out. By the end of the week, everything that's been pre-ordered will be mailed. So uh, be looking for that. The holidays are here, you know, and so... Uh, it's tough to get things done in the middle of the holidays, but uh, they'll get those things out to you. Uh, maybe today, it's the latest Friday. Uh, but here we go, top 10 songs of thanks. Top 10 songs of thanks. Number 10, kind of a different song, more of a, a pop uh, Keith Urban track. I like Keith Urban. I do. I think Keith Urban is exceptionally talented. I know some people say, well, it's not real country. You know, that, that's your thing. I'm not a country guy. I just know that Keith Urban uh, is an incredible songwriter, and just about every song I listen to from him, uh, there is some type of emotional connection with it. Uh, and so we're going to go with Keith Urban's song, Thank You. Really, really good track. And again, it's kind of it's not a country song. It's kind of got a pop feel to it. Number nine, one of the legendary female artists of my lifetime. Well, the musician's musician. One of the best vocalists in many respects. It's Bonnie Raitt. 
We're going to go with her song, Thank You. It's a relationship song. Many of these are. Uh, Bonnie Raitt, of course, um, written a ton of hits over the years. We could probably do a top ten Bonnie Raitt list, to be quite honest with you. Uh, But, yeah, number nine, Bonnie Raitt's Thank You. Number eight, the real R&B, man. We're going back to rhythm and blues. You know, what passes for R&B these days is uh, much different. It's evolved as a genre. But we're going back a long, long way here. We're going to Bobby Womack. His version of Thank You, another relationship song. And really, that's what it's all about, right? It's friends and family, uh, because it's not, about, it's not about really what you have, it's who you have. There's so much of that. The more you mature, at least for me, uh, the more I've learned. You know, the things that matter most are the people in your life, not necessarily the possessions in your house. Uh, number seven, I don't know that we've used her a lot, but it's Alanis Morissette. Before she was Alanis Morissette, she was simply Alanis, and she was uh, another, you know, pop, uh, poofy-haired, teen, heartthrob type deal. And uh, she matured and uh, wrote the Jagged Little Pill album that um, is iconic in the eyes of many women. It it is. Uh, One of her nicer tracks is uh, Thank You. And, of course, uh, it opens up with, you know, getting off these antibiotics, but... uh, Interesting song and a very talented lady, Alanis Morissette's Thank You, number seven. Number six, many of you know this as the background for the Eminem classic song, Stan, but the original track belongs to Dido, and it, the name of the song is Thank You. It is a very haunting track. The bass line on it is rather infectious. There's just a lot to this. It was a hit on its own, not just with Stan. But every time I hear it, I'm expecting Eminem to just drop in about Stan. All right, number five. One of the forerunners of alternative rock music in American history. And I don't know that this band gets the acclaim it deserves, even though that uh, it has, they've had an incredible amount of a cult following. But it's Big Star. And uh, led by Alex Chilton, who was uh, the singer of the Box Tops. You know, and you say, Steve, who are the Box Tops? You know, the letter. You know, Joe Cocker made that song probably more famous to a new generation. But uh, Alex Chilton, considered one of the pioneers of alternative rock music. And uh, this band put together a string of hits. They disbanded for a while, reunited, did did a big reunion concert on the campus of the University of Missouri. Uh, And the live version of this song is available now on iTunes. It's Thank You, Friends, from Big Star, number five. And uh, I, I've always liked the song, and I've been an Alex Chilton fan um, since I was a radio DJ years ago because we used to play the box tops. Uh, and that's back when, uh, you know, music was like two minutes per song. But the box tops were a regular on the playlist. And, uh, you know, Alex Chilton, again, extremely talented guy, man, extremely talented. So... If you if you need to do a little research on him, I think you'll find uh, he has influenced many of your favorite artists. Number four, I said it on Monday show. Anytime we can work Seven Dust into the show, it's a great thing. And it's off the Kill the Flaw album. It's Thank You, which was a number one hit for Seven Dust. Again, I've met these guys; they're absolutely phenomenal people and musicians. Uh, but their their original tune, Thank You, absolutely special. Number three, changing gears a little bit, it's Boys to Men's Harmony Classic, Thank You. And I thank you. You know, you know the song I'm talking about. And uh, it almost has a Bobby McFerrin kind of feel to it. It's got a, it's got a backing track, but 
it's kind of got this up and down, very playful and gleeful uh, harmony section in it. I, I, I love it. I love Boys to Men from the very beginning. And I know you guys did too. Of course, uh, the name Boys to Men goes back to the uh, New Edition days. It's a tribute. That song, These Are the Days That uh, Turn, or These Are Things That Turn Boys to Men. Number two, it's uh, we're not doing a thank you song, but it, uh, well, sort of. The title is a little bit longer than just the traditional thank you, but it's Bon Jovi's Thank You for Loving Me. And man, when you're in that spot in your life and you can show gratitude for your partner, man, it's amazing. It's like you look up one day and you think, you know, how did I get so lucky? And have somebody that put up with all my nonsense, right? Because everybody, anybody can love you at your best. But what about when people love you at your worst and they're able to look through your flaws, you know? I mean, not that you can go around mistreating people. I'm, I'm certainly not an advocate for toxic relationships, but uh, we're all human, man. And some days we're just not on our game. That's one thing about my wife that I love, especially when I'm stressed and I'm all wound up, that um, she'll kind of let me be. You know, I can just lay there and kind of look at my phone or whatever, and she's like, why don't you talk to me? She's not like that, you know. And sometimes that's a better part of a relationship is knowing when not to talk, right? And uh, not that I'm a combative person with her by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, you know, all these years been together, she's kind of figured out when to kind of let me be and let me stew a little bit. Another night I was really stressed, man. It's so much work with these coaching searches. And, of course, uh, you know, we've got a record number of subscribers now at Gene's page, and I'm still getting – we've hit a very, very impressive milestone – that I don't know that we thought possible. Uh, but just for those of you that know, the Mississippi State site now, you know, we, we merged several years ago. It's three times bigger than it was back then, just so you know. You can do the math yourself. But uh, thank you for loving me. And uh, I've actually sent this song to my wife when that album first came out. But um, I love it, man. I do. And I hope that you guys have that in your own lives. There's nothing like having somebody that gets you. It's true. Uh, number one, though, it's Led Zeppelin's Thank You. And that's actually my wife's favorite band of all time. Just didn't plan it that way. It's kind of how it worked out. But uh, I actually love the Chris Cornell, Cornell version of this song that uh, is on the, uh, the songbook. I, I listen to that songbook regularly when I travel because, number one, Chris Cornell's my favorite singer-songwriter this generation. But uh, his version of Led Zeppelin's Thank You is amazing. But uh, get it to another song about love. Uh, but it's one of those songs, too, that I think is timeless in many respects. But uh, I've got a lot to be thankful about, and I thought about that when I got up today. It's like, you know, I had the quarterback club meeting last night, and uh, it's emotional for me, man, talking about my recovery. And um, I do my best not to show too much emotion in large groups, but I did last night, man. It's a, it's a the culmination of a long process to get this book on the market, but uh, you know, to be able to tell my story uh, is important to me. You know, and, and not from a narcissistic standpoint. I, I understand, like, it's so interesting, too. I love the people that don't know me that tell me I have a lack of self-awareness on Twitter. I have, a, I have a really good awareness of who I am and my responsibilities as somebody in long-term recovery. I do. And uh, I would give this book away if we could. I mean, it, that's how important it is to me because, guys, we have people dying due to addiction. And uh, we, have, we have really sanitized so much of that these days. It's like... Um, you know, like we, we can't even call things suicide anymore. It's like we, we want to we make it an easier topic. You know, this person is dead by self-death or whatever. You know, there's, there's always something out there. But here's the thing, man. Addiction is ugly. It's ugly. Depression is ugly. Suicidal tendencies are ugly. And I think when we romanticize those things, I think it's one of those things... It doesn't help the person 
It just helps us. It's like, oh, well, how sad that is. Guys, you got to fight for your loved ones. You do. And one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is never, ever, 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 ever surrender somebody you love drugs and alcohol. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because through that fog is the person you really love. And you may be instrumental in pulling them out of that. And uh, I write a lot about that in the book. Again, it's When the Bottom Falls. And uh, I'd love for you to go check it out. But it's one of those things, too, that uh, this time of year is very difficult for a lot of people. And I'm very sensitive to that. I mean, again, we just wrote, you know, went over a song of a uh, list of songs about being thankful. There are a lot of people out there, unlike me and you, that don't have a lot to be thankful for. And I thank God I'm not them anymore. There was a time, I remember, guys, I remember this, back in 1991, and there's a whole chapter about 91 in the book, about what a tumultuous year that was in my life. And that sounds like forever ago. But that Thanksgiving, I spent basically alone, uh, you know, with a, with a friend, a female friend. And, uh, you know, whenever I wanted to go party, whenever I could get drugs for everybody, and whenever I could, uh, you know, get people into clubs and meet bands and meet women and things like that, everybody had a ride for me. But when it was time to go home for Thanksgiving, nobody had a ride for me. Nobody. And so I ate, uh, I don't remember what I had for lunch, but we had some leftover thank you Thanksgiving food that evening, uh, me and the female friend. But um, that was one of those dark moments in my life because I was estranged from my family. Not even my family would come get me. I mean, I, only, I lived like 30 miles away, and nobody would come get me. And I remember my grandmother telling me, you know, you can always find a ride to all these bars and clubs and concerts and things like that, but you couldn't get a ride home. And that stung to hear. But I was that guy that was at arm's length from his family on Thanksgiving. It was a very, very emotional time for me. And it hardened me in many respects. I got very bitter over that. And, um, you know, looking back, you know, at the later stages of, uh, of my addiction, that's one of the things that, um, that stands out. And what's interesting, too, uh, I was in drug rehab about three weeks later. Yeah. And so it was a really, really, really low point in my life. And so for those of you that perhaps are estranged, or maybe you're the family, like maybe you're, the, maybe you're in the inner circle here, right? And you've got that one person, you know, maybe you call them the black sheep, maybe you call them whatever, you know, uh, that's not helpful. But this Thanksgiving, and maybe do it today, why don't we reach out and put our differences aside? You know, maybe you've got somebody in your family that's dealt with addiction. Wouldn't it be nice to have them home for Thanksgiving? You say, you know, Steve, I don't want them to come. They'll ruin the occasion. You know what? You may save their lives. You might. Because one of the first things that I did, after the gravity of the fact that I missed Thanksgiving, my family did, I tried, I, I tried to overdose again. I did. I remember laying in that bed that night. My heart was about to beat out of my chest, and I probably should have gone to the hospital. I was probably having a cardiac event. I wouldn't go because I was too proud to admit that I was a drug addict. I thought, thought if I went to the hospital, I could just get out there and get on Weathersby Road and take that turn and go to the Methodist Hospital and get seen about. But I would rather have died than let my family know that I was a drug addict. You know how crazy that sounds? It was insane thinking. It was. But you know what? I could have died that day. Could have. 
But God spared me. And I'm, now I'm here to tell the story. And I've documented that for you. But more importantly than buying a book or being honest with yourself, if there are people you really love, tell them. Tell them. Not in a text. It's not, not in a Facebook post. Tell them. If you can't get to them, pick up the phone and call them. It's one of the things that I've learned in life that uh, probably the most powerful phrase that I've ever heard in my life is when somebody says, I love you and I'm sorry. It's amazing. Because so many of us walk around with these built up feelings of resentment. You know, maybe there was a misunderstanding or, you know, maybe somebody hurt our feelings and there was maybe some communication that was split level and we didn't interpret it the right way. Or maybe we said something that was interpreted in a way we didn't intend. And now there is acrimony in the family. And sometimes it takes somebody being the bigger person. Even if you're not, if you're the person that, that is the, the, the center of the resentment, even if you're the person that was wrong, or even if you've done nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with dishonoring it. It says, you know what? I would rather be wrong and rather be blamed for this than not to have you in my life. I would rather eat some humble pie and have a loving relationship with you than talk about, you know, who we assign blame to. I think it's important. And uh, the longer that I live, the more that matters. And of course, it helps the fact that I have been on both sides of this. And one of the things that I, when I was young, I used to always say, I'm just so misunderstood. And part of that, I misunderstood myself. I didn't know who I was. But I've been that guy that was by himself, eating off a styrofoam plate for Thanksgiving, heating up somebody else's dinner in a microwave. I've been that guy, sitting around seething, bitter hatred, resentment. Because I felt like that my family, I was ostracized from them. It was a measure of my own choosing, you know, my own, the life that I was living. But you know what mattered the most to me? I remember, I remember being in Lamar County Jail. And I finally got my grandmother on the phone and she cried. And she, said, and she asked me, she said, will you get help? If we can get you help, will you get help? And then I knew then that somebody loved me. It may not have been many people, but I knew she did. And uh, now you look around, and it's like I had a friend a while back that uh, you know sent me a song and said, this song always reminds me of you. And it's Brantley Gilbert's The Ones That Like Me Love Me. I got so many people in my life that love me today. It's true. And I had a bunch of people loving me back then. I just didn't recognize it. But today, you know, I find love at every turn. You know, go to these book signings, and those are the best of the best, right? Those people always come up and tell you how much they love you and your work and all you do and all your effort seems worth it. But before I was your good friend and host, and before I was a six-time author, and before I was the owner of a, uh, a huge business, uh, before I was a father, before I was a grandfather, before I was a husband, I was a hopeless drug addict living off Weathersby Road in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They couldn't get a rat home to eat turkey. I mean, it's just, you know, look at what God has done. I mean, it's true. And I, I'm, I'm going to take some credit for it. I had to do my part. You know, I'm not a robot by any stretch of the imagination. But let me encourage you, no matter who you are or where you are in life, there is someone in your life that you love that you are not in contact with. Don't include them in the group text. We know that's so annoying on Thanksgiving. I will call the police on you if you add me in one of those. But there is somebody that you love that maybe you're estranged from. 
today. Let's do it today. Reach out to them and let them know that you love them. Don't get into all of this backstory stuff. Well, you know, if this hadn't happened, no, no, none of that matters. All that matters is love. And if you truly want to save somebody, you got to love them. You got to hold them accountable too. But if there hasn't been dialogue for a while, the last thing they want to hear from you is a sermon. Just let them know you love them and mean it. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. You can get all my books there. They carry all six. That's cool, right? If you're looking for Mississippi State merch, and you certainly should be, guys, we're just over a month away from Christmas. I know that will probably send some moms into orbit, but it's true. With all that we've had to distract us, you know, we've had a miserable football season. We've had a coaching change, working through the coaching search. Uh, maybe it snuck up on you. Now's the time to act. We can make it easy on you. Just go to campusbookmart.net and peruse their fine selection of Mississippi State merchandise and take care of all the Bulldogs on your Christmas list. Everybody wants new Mississippi State merch. You do. You too. It's obvious. So make life easy on yourself. Campusbookmart.net. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Roberts, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Also tell you too, uh, I will be downtown at Campus Bookmart's sister store Friday from 7 a.m. to 1. Black Friday, be signing books. Uh, hugging necks, kissing baby's mamas. I'll have my baby's mama there too, and uh, she'll you know be there to sign if she needs to, but also to, to talk about the, the new business. We'll be down there uh, at uh, downtown at Book Martin Cafe on uh, Friday from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. You never know; I may stay later if you guys are uh, if you keep coming. I'll just stay, right? Uh, but yeah, we love Campus Book Mart. That whole family of stores. Uh, get into one as soon as you can and outfit your family in Mississippi State merchandise. All right, let's take a look at the Rivalry Week scheduling. Going to be an interesting week. It always is. Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We'll save that one for last, even though that's the first game of Rivalry Week. Let's start with Missouri and Arkansas. Missouri ranked ninth in the country now. Raise your hand if you saw that coming. I don't even think Missouri fans, even the, probably the best Missouri fans in the country, never thought they'd have the season they've had. They got a chance to wrap up the regular season here and uh, stay in a New Year's Six projected to be there as they should they get Arkansas I just don't think Arkansas has the juice and I think there are going to be a lot of people Sam may come out you know full of uh you know what and vinegar but I just think Missouri's just too good and uh you know Missouri had their hands full last week with Florida barely won the game but they won Arkansas announced last weekend that Sam Pittman would continue I don't think there'll be anybody at that game it's a three o'clock game on uh Friday I think a lot of people say, you know what, I'm just going to sit at home and watch it. So we'll have a chance to watch that game Friday, Missouri and Arkansas. We're going to take Missouri with that game. Kentucky's at Louisville. Louisville 10th in the country now. Kentucky loses a, a very important game in their bowl pecking order pursuit last weekend at South Carolina. Louisville, the better team. I think Kentucky could win it if Devin Leary has a big game. I think he's a very uh, average to above-average quarterback. But I like Louisville at home. Texas A&M's at LSU. That's another 11 a.m. game on Saturday. And how fun it is that we'll get our business taken care of Thursday night and be chance to be home. 
Enjoy college football all weekend. Texas A&M at LSU. LSU trending towards some big things. Jaden Daniels trying to win the Heisman Trophy. A&M playing with an interim coach. They played Abilene Christian last week. The uh, temperature will be much different this weekend in Baton Rouge as LSU, you know, tries to improve their bowl positioning as well. You got to like the Tigers here. And I like the Tigers big. Alabama's at Auburn. I think this will be a tussle for a quarter, quarter and a half. You know, after New Mexico State debacle last week, I do expect Auburn to kind of bounce back and play with some energy this week. And they're at home. It's the Iron Bowl. You never know what's going to happen. Alabama, of course, going to play next weekend in SEC Championship Saturday. And you know they want to knock off Auburn. I like Alabama in the ballgame. I just don't think Auburn has the horses to compete yet in this ballgame. But I do think for quarter and a half, it could be interesting. The second half, I think the Alabama running game takes over. Vanderbilt at Tennessee. Not really a rivalry game, just two in-state schools on the schedule. Uh, Tennessee has had a good year, maybe not as good as we had expected. I, but I'll tell you this. I think if they will leave Josh Heupel alone and just let him run his program, I think Josh is going to consistently make Tennessee a winner. Uh, the guy's proven that he can recruit and coach offense. It'll be an absolute bloodbath in Knoxville with Vanderbilt this Saturday. Uh, you, got, you like Tennessee, you like Tennessee big. Florida State at Florida. You know, this game is a lot more intriguing now without Jordan Travis. Now, Florida State got some quarterbacks. Mike Norvell, good offensive coach. Florida fighting for their postseason lives. I don't think they get bowl eligible, even with Jordan Travis being out. And I know the game is on the road. Florida State obviously has uh, had the better run of it this year. I know Florida is going to play with desperation. I don't think that Florida's job opens up this year. Had some people tell me that there's been some discussion about it. They don't think it's going to happen. They think Napier gets one more year. And you begin to wonder, too, you know, about the health of Scott Strickland and his administration down there. You go out and you hire Billy Napier, and uh, it seemed to be a good fit for Mississippi State. I don't know what a good fit it was for Florida. I did think Billy would be okay down there. They've recruited a little bit better this year. You know, so, but next year he's probably coaching for his job. If Florida State beats them with a the backup quarterback and beats them well, it could get the Bull Gators stirring. But I'm taking Florida State. I felt Florida State would win this game all year. Pretty significant injury, obviously, to Jordan Travis. But I'm going to stick with the Seminoles. On the road, in the swamp. Should be a fun game. Georgia and Georgia Tech, I told you guys uh, Tech's lost 11 of 13 in this series. Georgia just continues to get better. You know, they were kind of up and down earlier this year, even though they remain undefeated, but they have gotten better down the stretch and won some big ball games. I don't think they have any trouble with Georgia Tech. Clemson's at South Carolina. South Carolina needs to win to get bowl eligible. Uh, when they were 3-6, uh, and six, I don't think we thought this was possible, but we knew they had – Three home games in a row to close the season. And, again, that atmosphere at Williams-Brice last Saturday night, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I think Clemson's figured some things out, though. I think Clemson will find a way to win this game, so we'll take Clemson. And then Ole Miss-Mississippi State. Uh, I just can't bring myself to pick Ole Miss. And you can say, Steve, you know, no. I'm a bulldog through and through. It's the Egg Bowl. It's at home. Uh, I don't care what the odds makers say. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to pick Mississippi State. And I'll live with it. And if State loses, I'll just take it. But I think that Greg Knox and Will Rogers and Woody Marks have provided some juice 
to this team down the stretch, they know they're not playing for their jobs. They're playing for the love of football. Ole Miss playing for a lot more. All the pressure here is on Ole Miss. And as Lane Kiffin said earlier this week, you know, you just don't know. He didn't have any relationship with Greg Knox. They just don't know. He goes, you know, I know it's a motivational thing. You can't change a lot schematically in just a couple of weeks. But you don't know from a foundational standpoint, you know, what Greg Knox is going to choose to attack. I've told we've had a great week of practice. Uh, The win last week obviously helped our emotions. And uh, that Will Rogers is uh, leading this group. It's good for Will to get a game under his belt. And there was some rust early in that ball game. But I expect Mississippi State to come out and play well. I worry about Ole Miss and their ability to match up with us on the outside. I think we're going to have a tough time uh, with their passing game. So you're going to need some turnovers. You're going to have to make some things happen. The pass rush on Jackson Dart, who is not 100%, is going to be a big part of this. We're going to have to find a way to get Jackson Dart uncomfortable and get him on the ground, and he is a tremendous competitor. You know my respect for him. Uh, Call it a homer pick. I don't care. But I refuse to get on here and pick Ole Miss. I just refuse to do it. And uh, we're going to cheer for the Bulldogs, and we're going to hope they win the football game. And uh, hearing that State's likely in a ball game either way, but wouldn't it be nice just to go ahead and win it and say we earned it uh, rather than just happen to be on a list of APR teams to fill out the bowl games? I think our kids deserve the opportunity to go play and have some good memories after what's happened. You know, as I was reminded last night, you know, when they, we lost um, Sam last year too. You know, we, we forget that. We think about the tragedy, you know, of Mike, Leach, Mike Leach's passing. It's been a rough stretch for your Bulldogs. So let's go out with some style. Let's beat Ole Miss. Uh, we've had some history with that before where they brought great teams to, to Starkville and we beat them. I go back to 2009. They were on their way to the Capital One Bowl and um, and we took care of business. We did. We did. We took care of business. But, uh, yeah, they're playing better football than us. We're going to have to play our best football game of the year to win this game. But I think that there may be the team we expected to see this year from Mississippi State is going to show up on Thursday night. At least I hope so. I hope you're there with two cowbells in hand. Uh, to help cheer the Bulldogs on the victory. And so, again, you know, it's my show, it's my pick, it's my team. And so I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. I think the Bulldogs at the very least cover. I picked them to cover in our jeanspage.com predictions. But, um, yeah, we're going to pull for the Bulldogs. And be like, oh, Steve, you're just being a homer. Okay, cool, fine. Fine with me. Uh, I admit Ole Miss is a better team. But I think that this is the kind of uh, Hollywood-type script that gets written from time to time. And now Will Rogers is back. And so schematically, I think we can kind of do some things that we want to do. And, if hey, if you're Kevin Barbet and those guys, what do you got to lose, right? I mean, you know, you're not going to be retained. You know, you're coaching this game because you love the game of football. And I don't get the sense that our players are just simply playing out the string. That's important to understand. All right, final segment of the show is Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Yeah, Google the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Uh, I'm going to do my best to get out there today and go tour the facility. And we'll have some more, uh, you know, intel to share with you on Monday. But uh, I can tell you, I've been out there and viewed the property. I haven't been in yet. Just a few miles from the Mississippi State campus, you can bring your large group under one roof. And how cool is that? Rather than having to track everybody, we're so-and-so, though, they're in the room. Yeah, it'd be nice to just have everybody right there together. You can eat together. You can dine together. You can recreate together. You can get out by that fire pit, get around that TV, have a chance to cook there go buy some groceries rather than go spend a bunch of money dining out spending eight nine dollars on a drink in some lounge somewhere 
Just go buy yourself some adult beverages and you know, put them on ice right there in the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you book through the Evolve website, which is what we suggest, we can save you some money. Use promo code BSR10. I get you 10% off. How cool is that? 10% off your stay. Because if you start booking rooms for everybody, it's going to get awfully expensive. And so if you're coming to town for work, you're coming to town for a family event, think of the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Absolutely give them your business. And these are Mississippi State people that run this. Completely renovated, two wet bars, uh, plenty of bedrooms, great furnishings. Just a great place to live, but also too, it's uh, to stay, excuse me. But it's also one of those things you think about, you know, the, the best weekends of your life, more times than not, have been spent with family. And how great would it be to have all your family under one roof, you know, and, and, and just spend a weekend together. Uh, if you're looking to work in Starkville, how nice would it be to have the whole team under one roof? You're working on a big project. You got to you know, have a easy access to everybody and have a common area that everybody works and they can retreat to their own quarters in the evening and rest. Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Book through the Evolve website. Use promo code BSR. All right. I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the coaching change. Now, I uh, got a lot of sources. I, I do. And the thing about it is the thing that I have learned through all of this is um, even when you hear something, you can't fully trust it. You just can't. Because you got to think there are clients of agents that are still playing football games. And it's like, you know what? Hey, I'm willing to talk to Mississippi State or I'm willing to hear what Zach Selman's got to say, but don't distract my football team. That's the number one way to get a client to pull out on you or a coaching candidate to pull out on you is go do something stupid like that. If you become a detriment to what they're currently working on, because more times than not, I mean, you know, there, there is some ebb and flow. You've got, you, you're going to sit down and make a presentation and say, hey, this is what we're willing to do. Well, before you can get that person to the table, they got to make sure they can trust you. And so if you're out there, you know, <laughs> Uh, being silly and doing things that uh, cause them stress and anxiety in their life, they're going to say, you know what, I'm not interested in this. And they may make a statement publicly to the media that embarrasses you. It's true. So, But what happens is there's so many people that have a little bit, right? They have a little bit of information. And you get that information and you make your, your circle of calls and you gather what you can, you absorb that, and then go back and make it again and compare notes to everybody again. It is a long and tedious process that oftentimes doesn't yield a lot in the way of results. And especially with a new AD this year. I mean, we don't know how Zach Selman's going to work. There's no body of work to judge him on. And I've been told a lot of things throughout this process, but the consensus opinion is, is we're going to make a good hire. Now, some people are going to say, listen, we could go hire Nick Saban and half of our fan base would be upset. They'd say, why are we taking Alabama's leftovers? He's over the hill anyway, right? I mean, that's... That's how life works. And uh, sometimes we get so invested in a candidate, uh, most would think, man, I can just see this guy's offense or I can see this person's defense or I can see this recruiting that's going to be under the sky. This guy makes perfect sense. I like this guy representing. And then we get tunnel vision and we think, oh, you know, the only thing we want to believe is uh, what validates our opinion. I do my best to avoid that. Um, as I've mentioned on the show before, I, I, I don't ask leading questions when I call the sources. And I don't just say, hey, what are you hearing about the Mississippi State search? There, I, I ask that too, but usually the first question may be about a candidate where there is some conflict out there. Because you can't fall in love with what you know. There are other people out there that may be reporting something that's contrary to what you're reporting, so you got to keep digging because it's coming from somewhere, right? 
And sometimes their sources may be better than yours. And in other cases, they're not. Uh, I have talked to more people this week than I can possibly begin to, to detail for you. Like, oh, yeah, I talked to so-and-so and so-and-so. But it's like it's one of those things that you start getting a consensus opinion. And the one opinion that we have at this point collectively in the college football world is nobody knows for sure who's going to get this job. That's not in any way to suggest we're not going to have a good search because every search is ultimately judged by the hire itself. I'd like to give you better information and say, hey, we know who it's going to be. I'm not going to sit here and paint those uh, illusions. We don't know yet. I have been told that the list has been narrowed down to about five or six candidates, and I feel like we've got a pretty good handle on who most of those candidates are. But you can never rule out a dark horse. I'm not going to sit here and talk about a mystery candidate. See, that's one thing that irritates me. It really does. People will say, oh, well, there's a mystery commitment that's going to come. And then all of a sudden some guy, oh, that was the guy. You know, he was a private commitment all along. Same thing in this stuff. Uh, you know, we had the Mike Leach news, uh, you know, last year, last cycle when um, you know, Mike Leach was a dark horse. And uh, one of the things that I learned the day that we fired Joe Moorhead, and it's funny the turns and twists that tar- that search took. Uh, I was talking to John Cohen privately, and I've joked with John about this that um, he's like, "So what are you hearing out there?" And so I went through a name of candidates. Billy Napier was part of that. Some others. I goes, you know, I had somebody else tell me that you have always been fascinated by Mike Leach. And the phone got quiet. And I joked with John another day, and I said, yeah, that's when I knew you weren't a good poker player. You know, so I filed that away. And then as the thing with Joe Judge uh, went south, uh, Mike Leach and Todd Grantham were basically the finalists for the job. And things really kind of zeroed in on Leach. And so that emerged late, right? We thought we knew where this thing was going to go. There was all this heat about Napier early. And then it was Joe Judge, and if Joe hadn't got that off from the Giants, he'd been your head coach. And I don't know how that would have worked out. We wouldn't have had Mike Leach, though. You know, we might be in the middle of a coaching search now anyway. And so there's always things, there's some ebb and flow with this, and it's important to understand it's almost coaching search 316. It's never the first name. It's never the first name. That's how it always tends to work for us. And there's so many times, whether it be in baseball or basketball, People come out and say, oh, this guy's a leading candidate, and then ultimately he may not even get an interview. Or perhaps that's his agent floating his name to get him associated with some big jobs so when the time comes, he's already in the conversation. That doesn't mean that that coaching candidate is serious about our job. That's important to understand. So we're going to continue to work the phones. Uh, Tomorrow we're going to enjoy family because nothing's going to happen tomorrow. And I don't believe that you have an answer on who your coach is going to be until at least the weekend because of the fact that every coach that we're pursuing at this point is going to be playing a game on Saturday. So we're going to be sensitive to our team. We're going to support our players and our coaches and hopefully go get us a win over Ole Miss. And then once that game is over and maybe you start hearing some leaks on Saturday, you know, Mike Nemeth, of course, works for us at jeanspage.com. Uh, Mike came to Mississippi State in 1985 and ran our media relations department uh, so professionally for decades. And Mike works for us. And and I I lean on Mike and Dave Murray because I know a lot of people. They know even more. There are people that will talk to them that might be somewhat hesitant to talk to me. So it's it's a unified effort in that respect. But Mike said, you know, hey, it might start leaking Saturday because, like, the outgoing school may want it out there especially if the game doesn't go the way they want it, right? They may go ahead and leak it. And there are a lot of times, too, that agents, once a deal is in place, 
they want it out there quickly too. And so I don't think we hear anything before Saturday, but I think there is the possibility that we could have find out something this weekend and this, this search begin to, to narrow. I'd love to be able to tell you right now that I know we've already prepared our stories and we're just waiting on the announcement, but that's not true. That's just simply not true. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, I'm your good friend and host, right? I'm not the guy out here that's going to pretend to know more than I know. I've talked to a lot of people, and nobody seems to know what Zach Selman's going to do. That's not to say that we're not working the phone and working through a process of elimination uh, as names emerge to find out the viability of their candidacy. There's a lot of people out there whose names are associated with this job that have not been connected to Mississippi State in official capacity. There's a lot of agents out there working hard to get their clients a better deal at their current school. That's important to understand, too. And as Zach Selman said, if you don't hear it from me, don't believe it. Well, I got some things out there that you can believe, but it's not about who the hire is going to be. It's been more about who it's not going to be. And sometimes that's equally as important as we push towards an eventual announcement. I understand there's also already some plans in place for the press conference. You know, we're going to make a hire soon. So they're already beginning to kind of get that things together and that there will be an opportunity for you guys to come greet the coach and welcome the coach to the Mississippi State family. Uh, and that's important too. And we hope that there'll be some lead time with that, right? It's so tough. Like we make a hire on Monday and say, hey, tomorrow at noon we're announcing this coach. And there are a lot of people that would like to come that won't be able to come. And so my hope is you guys will get an opportunity. We'll get enough opportunity to plan that event uh, so you guys that can uh, attend and come meet your new coach, we'll be able to do that. But, um, again, we don't know who he's going to hire. We don't. I don't think Zach Selman knows at this point. Uh, I do know that there have been multiple conversations with John Sumrall, who is at uh, Troy. There have been multiple conversations with, with Willie Fritz, who's at Tulane. I know that Barry Odom is pushing very hard to get the job. Um, and I understand that there's a possibility that he's going to have a face-to-face with Mississippi State at some point very soon. And so if we're still continuing with that, that tells me we're still working through the search. It's not a situation where Zach Selman's just sitting in the Bryan building just kind of waiting for the clock to tick away, and then we're going to make an announcement. Uh, I, I don't think we're at that point. Some people have suggested we may already have a deal in place. I don't believe that's the case, because if we do, we're wasting a lot of jet fuel and we're wasting a lot of time and effort uh, talking to other candidates. And so it's important to understand that. There, there is always going to be – somebody that pops up late. We hope that we've identified that candidate before they do. But once they do, we'll vet it out and we'll do our best to share with you what's true and what's untrue about that candidate. Matter of fact, later today, I'll have a what we're hearing update uh, on about a half dozen names. And, uh, you know, you never know by the time I get ready to write it, maybe we've learned something else. Uh, But you can uh, take advantage. We're giving the store away right now, 75% off a jeans paid subscription. And uh, we have just hit a very important milestone in our industry, a number that we never thought was possible. Uh, you know, the biggest and best thing going, simply as that. And that sounds arrogant and whatever, but the reality is the numbers speak for themselves. And uh, we enjoy being your eyes and ears over jeanspage.com, and I love our team. I do. Uh, there's always some ebb and flow with that, too. You know, sometimes people join the team, they stay for a short time, they leave, or others just stay for a while and leave, and we never, ever, 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 Think less of anybody trying to improve their station in life and do what they feel is best for their family, ever. We're always going to do our best to take the high road and uh, remain friends, even when we're not coworkers. Uh, that's important to me. Uh, I know who I am, but there are some things that I will say about this search when it's all said and done uh, that I think it's important for you guys to know. 
so look forward to that here in the days ahead. Now, uh, as we begin to kind of transition here uh, into a new administration and a new football program, let me impress upon you again how important it is to be involved with NIL. And uh, I know it feels like we're always asking. And, and fans today, ne- there has never been a fan base generationally that it, there has been more asked of than this one. And I don't just mean Mississippi State. I mean in all of college sports. It's like, oh, well, I, lo- I just want to buy a shirt and go to the games. And then people are like, you know what? We need you to give this. We need you to give you and your Bulldog Club dues. We need you to do that and do this. Uh, and so it's more expensive than ever. And then people look up and they wonder why there's not as many people at games. You know, well, a lot of people just simply can't afford it. You know, it's like, hey, you guys have priced me out of this uh, this deal. I'll just stay at home. You know, if I've got to buy a seat license and make a donation to a, you know, to a donorship group just to buy a ticket, you know, I'm just better off just not getting season tickets. And so we're in a difficult situation in that. Uh, but the reality of it is we have made some really great strides with NIL. And a lot of that's because of the Bulldog Initiative. And Charlie Winfield, when he gets to heaven, they should let him take the escalator. He has done the Lord's work, kind of championing this cause. And, of course, the university is behind that. They have continued to promote the Bulldog Initiative on social media and on game day. And so consider joining up. You know, we're in the middle of the million-dollar match, and uh, we gave some money too. Yeah, we did. And uh, we don't just cover Mississippi State. Uh, you know, and you could say, well, Steve, you know, you guys aren't being objective. You know, the reality of it is uh, I, I'm not going to do anything based on what somebody else thinks. Well, Steve, I don't think you should do that. Well, I think you should keep your mouth shut, right? We felt it was important for us. And I guess when I say we, I, I felt it was important for us at Gene's Page to be a part of the million-dollar match because we're going to put our money where our mouth is. I would feel like a huge hypocrite to come on this show and say, hey, you guys need to give to the Bulldog Initiative when we're not. Guys, I've raised over $30,000 for the Bulldog Initiative so far. So far. We're also going to be uh, helping sponsor the uh, NIL basketball game against North Texas and Tupelo because we think that's important. And I remind you, too, even if you're not going to that game, buy tickets. Buy tickets because the proceeds and the profits of that filter down to the Bulldog Initiative. And we're going to take the show on the road, and uh, it'll be a special event. We need you to turn out and be a part of that. But if you can't be a part of it, uh, buy some tickets. There's some very inexpensive tickets up in the upper level for like 10 bucks. Maybe buy 5, 10, 20 of those and donate them. And I'm confident there's probably some charities uh, in the greater Tupelo area that are involved with children and young people that could uh, bring those kids to a Mississippi State game, right? So... Do your homework there and uh, be a part of that. We encourage you, as always, uh, do what you can to help Mississippi State. Uh, there's so many, again, there's so many people, you know, with their hands out these days, and there are a lot of worthy causes out there. To me, there's nothing more important than what we do at Mississippi State. You know, because of the fact you're doing things that are generational. Right? There's so many of our student athletes that have an opportunity to come to school, many of them the first in their families to come to college and earn a college degree. They have the opportunity to change their family tree forever. And you can be a part of that. I think it's a very, very important part of it uh, all the way through. No matter what you think about how the NCAA has handled this, which has been dreadful, uh, the reality of it is this is the world in which we live for now. Hopefully we'll get our arms around this and get some national legislation uh, to kind of put some, uh, some guardrails around NIL. But uh, it's not enough, you know, right now. We're in a much better position than we are, than we were. 
we were behind the curve, and a lot of that, too, is because, you know, we had some opportunities early and, and things didn't work out. And I think a lot of it, too, the university has learned a lot about what is allowable and what is not permissible when it comes to NIL in the beginning. And we were very conservative about that. We were. Uh, you know, compliance office is like, hey, we got to be sure this everything is correct. And there are other people out there that kind of paved the path for the rest of us as mavericks. They said, hey, we're going to do this until they tell us not to do it and uh, kind of paved the way for the rest of us. But we have we were playing catch up, and in many respects we have caught up uh, with many of our contemporaries, contrary to what they may tell you. And there's so much of that, too, that's about this rivalry. It's like everything that we have is diminished, right? And then we all want to poke holes in everything they have. You know, uh, it's, just, you know it's like they're uh, – Tinker Toy Stadium over there, you know, that fell apart this year uh, when their fans rushed the field. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, I feel good about the search where we are. But it's not about where we are. It's who steps up to the podium and is handed a cowbell by Dr. Keenum or Zach Selman that rings us into a new era. And I just encourage fans to have a little patience with the process. Uh, things will work out. And, again, there's a lot of people in national college football media that have a lot of respect for Zach Selman and how he's done things so far, and he's identifying the right candidates. He's been very smart in how he's gone about the process. And hopefully that ends with us hiring a coach that's going to bring a lot of wins here to Mississippi State. Uh, I am for Zach Selman, and I am for everybody else that's for Mississippi State. I've had some people out there, it feels like they're kind of rooting against Zach Selman. Uh, and, I, and I don't get that aspect of it. Because if Zach Selman is successful, that means we're all successful. Right? I mean, why would I ever root against a Bulldog? I would never do that because their success is our success. And when I'm successful, you're successful. When you're successful, I'm successful. And I think that's the way you look at all that. You know, I want what's best for Mississippi State, and I think that's for all of us to pull in the same direction. Now, again, no matter who we hire, it's going to be criticized by some. It's going to be praised by others. Uh, and I think probably the reality is right there in the middle. Uh, but just as we sat through this process, uh, you know, here about 11 months ago, you know, we promoted Zach Arnett from interim coach. That didn't work out for us. But, again, at the time, that was the right move. And I think so many of our fans, and it was so exciting to see, is like, hey, I really want this guy to make it. I really want him to make it. I'm pulling so hard for him to make it. Well, he didn't make it. That doesn't mean that your faith in Mississippi State should waver. We gave it a chance. It didn't work out. And now we're going to give somebody else a chance. And so we'll have an update on Monday. And, again, I, I think this thing is over next week. I, I do. I really do. I think, I think this time next week we're going to be profiling a candidate and a new coach and uh, talking about their history and the expectations of the program moving forward. This is not going to be something that lingers on. Would we like to get it done soon? But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.